biggest mistake I see from a messaging perspective, from a pitch perspective, is that most founders can't explain their, their business in one sentence. You have a lot of trouble with this. And I'll use Airbnb as an example. You could say that Airbnb is a marketplace where buyers and sellers exchange real estate assets for space. Or you could just say Airbnb is where you rent out the extra room in your house for money. A lot easier. Driven by doing is how the world moves forward. A show where entrepreneurs, professionals and students share their stories, how they learn from their failures to get to where they are today, to inspire all of us to be a better version of ourselves. This show is sponsored by UpSquad. It's your community for growth. Sign up for free today at upsquad.com to schedule time with experts in your field and get advice. Or request a demo at hello at upsquad.com to set up your own organization's virtual community. Build your squad with Upsquad. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Driven by Doing podcast. Today, we have Brendan Kumaraswamy. Brendan, welcome to the show, Driven by Doing. Thanks for having me, Venki. It's great to be here. Awesome. So you have got such an impressive background and you're currently working as a business transforma- uh, transformation consultant at IBM and you're a public speaker. And let's deep dive into your story, Brendan. And uh, I kind of like got some insight going through your LinkedIn profile, but I wanted to listen from you and also share uh, your story to our audience as well. So let's begin. And are you originally from Canada? So where did where did your journey began? Yeah, for sure. So so my parents are from Sri Lanka, but I'm born and raised in Montreal. That's where I, I grew up. And I think what's interesting about the city is you got to know how to speak French. So when I was five years old, my parents looked at me and they said, hey, Brendan, you need to learn how to speak this language. So they threw me into a French education system. And of course, I'm very grateful for that. I speak French today. But every time I went up for a presentation, every time I interacted with different people, I did it in a language I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And that was where, uh, where the challenge started for me. But yeah, born and raised in Montreal and really loved it. Oh, so, so you were born and raised uh, in Montreal and then you went to Concordia University and you just graduated like a few years ago. And tell us about that experience. Like, What was it like to go to school in uh, Canada, Montreal? And what was that experience uh, taught you? Yeah, for sure. Lots of lessons. I think for me, most of my knowledge comes from other people. So in the sense of the people I get to interact with, the people, the incredible people like you that I get to meet across my journey. But I think for me, what stands out is, is Montreal is such a great city. You know, it's, it's such a great environment where you can learn, you can grow, you can explore different areas. And I've thought so many times of moving to New York or Los Angeles or Chicago uh, and every time I just said, why would I leave this, this awesome city? And, and, and it's from that experience, especially in university, where I learned how to speak. I learned how to hone my presentation skills because I used to do these things called case competitions. They're like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing soccer or football or something. I was using that same competitive spirit and I did competitions and presentations 
that's what I did for three years, the, which led to the, to, the, to the job at IBM, but also the idea for Master Talk as well. Yeah, so thanks for sharing that, uh, like how the, the college experience has helped you. Now let's go deep into that experience, Brendan. And you mentioned about uh, case competitions. And that was very interesting to actually see uh, in your profile. And uh, also let's go into like your area where you did your major in accountancy and then you had got like this variety of experiences, which is very interesting. And you, the main insight that you actually just talked about is getting exposed to a lot of different things outside classroom. So tell us a little bit more about like, how did you realize that, hey, there is there's much more than, there's much more knowledge or the skills that I'm going to gain outside my class. And how did you approach uh, in some of the things that you learned while in college? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way that I think about this, Benki, especially for those of you who are students who are thinking about university and what to do after it, is understanding what the best people in that university do. Like if your goal is to go corporate, get a job at Goldman Sachs or IBM or McKinsey or any of those big companies, we need to understand that the people who do get those jobs are leaders. They don't just go to class every day, take notes and leave. They organize projects, they organize events, they manage big teams, they get involved in the student communities. And it's through that involvement that builds the necessary leadership skills for them to approach consulting or investment banking or any job, whether it's in a startup, to be successful. And so that's why I've always been a big component of getting involved. And from two, for two reasons. One is for those opportunities. But second, to meet the smartest people in the school. If you're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on your education, especially if you live in the States, you need to make the most of it, which means networking with the top 1% of people in that university and almost everybody in that 1% get involved. And that's what happened with me in case competitions. There was probably 8,000 students in my business faculty in Concordia, but there's only 80 people in the program every year. So this is the 1% of everybody. So all of those people were incredible speakers, like amazing. So when it was my job to coach them, it was a lot easier because they were coaching me as much as I was coaching them. And that's how I ramped up my communication, my expertise, and when I ended up doing in venture capital as well, surrounding myself with really just the best people. And if you don't get involved, you'll never meet those people. So that's why I highly recommend that experience, especially if you're still in university. That's a great insight, uh, Brendan. Like a lot of times we see how creative students can get actually to meet the best people while in college. Then we have seen like how many amazing companies have been actually started by students while in college. And most of the times, if you see, they were actually connecting to their co-founders, trying to think about different creative ways of solving different problems that they're really passionate about. And that's what I see when you mention like, hey, like you always need to network with people with the, with the top one person because they were leaders. And that was, a, that was a, a neat insight, right? So we think about becoming leaders and we think, hey, like it's, it's an overnight thing, right? It doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes a lot of time in order to like really learn the core skills that will make you a part, right? What are some of those skills that you seeked out from other leaders and i saw like a lot of amazing things that you kind of like create play playlists on your youtube to kind of like you know see those videos tell us more about like what keeps you motivated like because i see a lot of passion in you right and it's 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 
sometimes very difficult in order to keep that going, right? So what are some of the techniques that you use in order to maintain that motivation or the zeal to go after things that you love? Absolutely. It's a great question. The way that I think about this, Venki, is there's a, the, if there's anything that I think separates me from most people, it has nothing to do with intelligence, but rather the following quote from Tony Robbins, which is the following. The quality of your life is solely determined by the quality of the questions. And I will add that you dare to ask yourself. The more questions you ask about how life should be and how life wants should manifest in your life that is how you get razor focused in the goals you want to achieve so for me when i was young i would ask myself a lot of hard questions that most adults don't ask themselves questions like what am i pretending not to know if you had all the money in the world how would you spend your time and if you died tomorrow what would your funeral speech say about you? And it's the insights from these questions that you ask yourself that allows you to paint a canvas, paint a picture for how you, you want your life to be. And for me, what I realized, especially working in corporate, was making money actually wasn't super hard as long as you spend the right things. So for me, it used to be like, you know, especially since we come from similar backgrounds, I didn't have a lot of money growing up either. So when I was growing up, I was saying, oh, I need to get this corporate job so I can be safe, so I can have a family, so I can do all these things. But when I got there, I said, this job's great. But at the same time, is that all I'm going to do in life? Am I going to become an executive at this company or an executive at another company and then just die? Is that all? Is that all to Brendan's story? And that's when I realized the answer was no, especially when Master Talk came at the right time. And I said, wow, why don't I start a revolution? Where I can get everyone to master communication. If I can achieve that goal, I could be the bridge between the next Elon Musk, who's probably an eight-year-old girl in Cambodia, so that she has access to me, so that she can communicate better, so that when she's 20 or 25 years old and she's building billion-dollar companies, she already mastered communication because she already went through me. So that's the key. That's that's for me is when you ask yourself hard questions, it's very easy to stay motivated because you understand now why you want to live the life you want to and which direction you want to take with the number of years you have left. Wow, that's that's just awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Brendan, because asking the right questions, it's not just about asking the hardest questions. It's It's all about asking the right questions, as you also mentioned. And at such an early stage or early part of our careers, it's, it's always difficult to kind of gain that insight, right? We are always in that mode of just going after things that other people or people whom we know did before us. And sometimes we had to stop and ask these questions in order to see if we are actually on the path of whatever that thing that we wanted to achieve in the long term right and public speaking skills and communication skills as you rightly pointed out is is one of the key skills in order to take that forward right and in fact public speaking is one of the most toughest things for a lot of people as well and and i'm sure like you might have heard a lot of things saying that hey 70 percent of the people in the world are actually afraid of public speaking and in fact i was one of them not very long ago and uh, Toastmasters have really helped me 
in order to like really gain that confidence in order to really speak my mind and what are some of the things that you have done yes you have connected with people while in college are there any things outside of college you're also doing in order to make that impact in yourself absolutely especially from a relationship perspective here's here's a piece of advice i'd love to give if you take action on this piece of advice i guarantee you you will meet incredible people so the exercise is simple take a piece of paper or get on your phone and write down the top 10 people that you have in your network the people that you find interesting It doesn't need to be about money you just find them really fascinating that you have a personal relationship with top 10 After you've done that, introduce those people to each other. So have that person one, me person two, and person three. Introduce them all to each other. Make a bunch of Facebook introductions, and then two days later, after they meet, ask them, "What is your top five? Your top ten? Who are the most interesting people that you know?" And they'll start introducing you. to the most interesting people they know and that's how you grow a network in a way that's very powerful. In the same way Sam has introduced me to people like yourself and I've also introduced people Sam to CEOs of companies to different people that I know that are doing incredible things in life. So that's the advice I would give is find out who are who are who's the golden seed. You know, who's the needle in the haystack? Get to those people, find all of those needles. introduce those people to each other and then have them introduce you to all the amazing people that they know and then your network will just explode wow again a great insight when because introducing to other people because one of the the things that i learn just from my own experience is always provide value right if providing value to other people is so important even before asking for help and one of the key ways that we can do is just an example that you actually just showed told us right introduce other people in your network whom you feel interesting to other folks so that they can actually be helpful to you in order to introduce whom are in their network that they really seem very interesting and now let's come coming back to your experience with startups right like you worked as a, a student ambassador while in college at frontro ventures and you have seen a lot of startups uh, in canada and what are some of the things or advice that you commonly give to startups who are just getting started like hey they they have this idea they wanted to create something and they were just getting started right just from your own experience what would you tell people who are listening to this podcast or show that they can leverage especially with everything that's going on to create the impact they wanted to build using their creativity and startups. Absolutely. I would say for me, Venki, it's always been the biggest mistake I see from a messaging perspective, from a pitch perspective, is their most founders can't explain their their business in one sentence. They have a lot of trouble with this. And I'll use Airbnb as an example. You could say that Airbnb is a marketplace where buyers and sellers exchange real estate assets for space, or you could just say Airbnb is where you rent out the extra room in your house for money. A lot easier, a lot more digestible. But because most CEOs or most founders of startups, which is normal, are technical, you know they're focused on code, they're focused on developing software and product, 
they're really good at that. They're very good at focusing on their users, but they're not good at communicating back to those users what it is that they do and what problem that they're actually solving. So what I recommend most technical people to do is to have dinners with your actual customers. Get to know them. Ask them questions. Like if you were to explain my idea back to me, how would you explain it? And then through those insights, you can figure out what your startup is actually trying to do. In the same way, by the way, when Brian Chesky and Joe and Nathan started Airbnb, they didn't really know what they were trying to build, but they realized over time as they talked to different people across the world, different hosts, that the game for Airbnb was not about space. It was about trust. VRBO, HomeAway, all these services existed before, but they realized when they talked to their users that trust was the key. If you have trust, then you can scale this service to millions of people around the world. And that's what made them successful. And that's exactly why their tagline is belong anywhere, everywhere. Because they talked to the users, and they were able to message themselves accordingly. Most founders don't put enough work don't put enough effort to ask insightful questions to their customers. And I think that's a big mistake. Wow. So just sharing by that example, it is so clear that we always think about putting this, this terminology that people might or might not even know, or, Hey, like it's, it's at a very high level, right? Breaking it down into the, the short, smallest things that people actually understand from a messaging standpoint is so key, as you just mentioned. And initially, just from my own experience, I could see that like a lot of times, even like, yes, I have the technology background when I'm sharing these ideas to the investors or people, uh, it's, it's, it's always very challenging and there needs to be a lot of work. Like, as you also mentioned in the Airbnb story, initially they weren't sure what they were building, but over a period of time. And when I when I heard that story as well, it's, it's very evident that they were talking to their customers and kind of finding what they are really looking for, which is super key as well. And now a lot of startups, once they have the idea, let's imagine they have got the story that they wanted to share and the problems that they're trying to solve. It's very challenging for them to, to raise that first capital, right? Like what are some of the things that you have seen from your own personal experience working with startups that, people tend to neglect or not focus too much on while raising especially capital because yes, there can be some great ideas and storytelling is one of the key elements to really break it down to make very easy for investors to understand what they're trying to solve. So what are some of the key challenges or the areas apart from storytelling also is going to be very key for startups? Yeah, I think another big mistake founders make is they don't watch their competition enough and how they pitch and raise capital. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're working in the, the telecom space and you want to raise money in telecom and you're having trouble communicating your startup and why it's different. The best way to communicate that difference is by first analyzing what already exists and how people communicate what already exists. So Airbnb, once again, is an example. They didn't just communicate. They said, how do hotels message their products? How does VRBO do things? And how do we explain the before and after so that it's very clear for every person they interact with what it is that they do and what they're looking for? So that's part one. 
look at a list of all your competitors, watch them pitch their startups at accelerators. All the videos are online. You just got to look for them and take notes and see what you can take away from them. That's one part. The other part, now that we've done the research, is understanding the following. Pitching is an everyday thing, not a formal thing. What does that mean? Pitching means that you're pitching to everybody all the time. You're pitching to investors for money. You're pitching to prospective customers. You're pitching to employees. Why would they work for you instead of Google? You're pitching to every single stakeholder. So you need to understand that the best way to practice pitch, the best way to raise is to keep the conversations going. And the better you are at communicating in one sentence, in one minute, what your company is and what you're trying to achieve, it's going to be much easier for the person you're talking to to go, oh, you need to talk to this person who's in fintech. Oh, you need to talk to this person. And it's through those conversations, if you know how to message your startup clearly, that will get you to the right person and get you the money you need for your round. Now, again, uh, great insight there, uh, Brendan. And public speaking, again, going back to public speaking and how people can actually increase their impact using public speaking. And one of the key elements that I'm seeing more often these days is personal branding, right? It's, it's very key for especially startups or entrepreneurs or anybody, in fact, irrespective of whether they're just working in a corporate culture to to always create a personal brand. And how do you think personal uh, public speaking can actually help our personal brand as well? Absolutely. Public speaking allows you to scale your ideas. So if you master communication, instead of explaining your idea to one person, you could speak on a stage in front of a thousand, right? So if you can do that, even if it, you're a bit scared of it, if you could learn to master that skill, you can make back that money so much faster. You can move your startup so much more faster and get access to the right people at the right time much more quickly. Mm. That's why a lot of people in Y Combinator end up raising rounds right after they go through the program. Because when they pitch, they're not just pitching to three people. They're pitching to all of the investors in the Valley. Mm. So everyone knows their startup. So if you, if you get the messaging right, if everyone understands exactly what you do, why wouldn't you be able to raise money? So that would be my recommendation. Absolutely. And uh, especially for students who are listening to this, it's it's very critical, right? Irrespective of whether they are working on startups or ideas and even to just sell their sell themselves for an interview, for example, it's, it is going to be like so super critical. And more most often than not, it's, it's the fear, right? The, the first time fear or things like that, that actually can may not be always helping them in the things that they wanted to achieve. And now again, coming back to your story, uh, Brendan, now you're working as a, as a transformation consultant at IBM and you're getting exposure to a lot of different projects and also different startups. What are some of the things that you keep learning every week or every month that always inspires you? For me, it's always the people. Right. You know, sometimes I meet some pretty crazy people that I don't really know why I have access to them, right? Whether it's on Clubhouse or through warm introductions, it, it's just been really fun for me to just have these discussions with people that I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this. This is incredible. Mm. 
-hmm. what an amazing opportunity so so that would be my advice is is for me the growth comes from interacting Mm -hmm. with new perspectives new ways of thought that i didn't learn yet so so the 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 chance to talk to those people is always a great one got so now we have seen how the pandemic has changed the world in the past year or so. What would you tell people who are looking for opportunities and especially during this period while coming out of college, like people are looking for job opportunities and they're doing everything that they could. And there are a lot less or more opportunities, but getting an opportunity, the first opportunity is going to be the difficult thing, right? What would you tell students or even professionals who are looking for a career change, for example, to look for those opportunities in a, in a much more efficient and creative way? Oh, of course. So there's two parts to my framework. The first part is to answer the following question, which is, what should I do with my life? Most students struggle, you know, even if they get the job at Google, maybe they don't even want to do that, right, which is the whole core of the issue. So the first part of the framework is what I call process by elimination. It's a lot easier to figure out what you don't want to do versus what you do want to do. So if I ask people to think about just as a thought experiment, do you want to be a plumber? Do you want to be a preacher at a church? Do you want to be a garbage man? Do you want to be a dentist, a doctor? There's nothing wrong with any of those careers. But as you think through them, it's very easy for you to go, yes, maybe or no. Like, I don't want to be a doctor for sure. But what's great about this is it reduces the number of choices. And it's a lot easier for you to make a decision. So for me, I knew at a business school, there's three big jobs that you can get. Investment banking, management consulting, or working as an auditor at a big four accounting firm. Those are the three big, minus sales jobs. These are the three big ones. I knew immediately I did not want to be a banker. I know a lot of friends invest in banking. They work 100 hours a week and uh, they make a lot of money, but it's just not fun. And I can't compete. I don't have the Excel skills that they do. That's out. Accounting, I tried it. I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I really enjoyed it. It was good. Culture, I didn't want to be an accountant. But consulting, I loved it. When I was doing competitions, which is basically consulting, I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I was like, this is great. And that's why I've enjoyed IBM. So that's the key. Understand first what you don't want to do so that you can make space for the careers you want to do. Then the next stage of that framework, there's three parts actually. So the second part of that framework is now you have 10 careers left and you don't know which one to pick. Now what you want to do is you want to email somebody who works in those jobs and ask them one question. And the question is, what do you hate about your job? Not what do you like? What do you hate about the job? What is the worst part about this job? And then make a list of all of those things for all of those 10 careers and then pick the job that you can live the most with. Because if somebody tells you, because consulting isn't easy, working in accounting isn't easy. So when you say somebody, what, what do you hate? They go, oh, you know, you work 70 hours a week. You don't see your family a lot. You do this. I looked at that person and I said, perfect. I want to work at IBM. This is great. I want to work at a company like that because I get to work with the smartest people in the world. So I was like, this is great. But somebody else is going to look at this. I don't want to work there. That's the key. So the second part of the framework is doing that. Once you figure out the career, then the next question after that is asking yourself the right insights. 
now that you've tried the job, now that you've worked there, what's the next step in your career? What always ask yourself questions like I do. And over time, you'll always adapt. I mean, I went from accountant to technology consultant to YouTuber, <laughs> right? Just so weird, right? So you have to always keep questioning your decisions as you make them, but you need to make sure to keep making those decisions because if you don't make any, you're just going to be stuck. Wow. <laughs> That's that's great, uh, Brendan. Like it, it's it's always that the, the constant learning journey. Like right? it, it never it never ends. As you just mentioned, it happened in my career, and it's it's happened in your career, and many and many people constantly pivoting. Right? It's 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 pivoting in our own life to really find out what we care and what we really resonate with. And that's I mean it, it might take a few people like maybe three to five years and for people it might take even more for other people so it's always a constant journey of understanding things and in fact asking the right questions and the hardest questions during that journey is the key and you also listen to a ton of podcasts are these one of your good resources that you always hang on to to get inspired. Tell us more about your experience with podcasts and what are your favorite podcasts? Yeah, absolutely. The reason I love podcasts, Benki, is it allows you to tap into somebody's life for a few minutes to see if they add value to your life. Mm -hmm. The issue before is you had a book. So you have to go through eight hours of reading this thing. Mm -hmm. So you don't know if this person's intelligent or not or successful. Whereas now with podcasts in a day, you can meet 10 to 15 different people and pick the people that you like the most and dive into them. Like Scott Harrison from Charity Water, when I listened to podcasts of Scott's story, I said, this is incredible. I need to listen to all the interviews and read his book cover to cover. And I have like three copies of the book in my house and I went crazy. That's the thing. So you, you use podcasts as a vetting tool to see who actually adds value and how do you go deep on those people? That's the way that I've seen it. So a good way of thinking about my brain is there's thousands of tape recorders that are just going. There's a one tape record of Gary Vaynerchuk, another one of Lewis Howes, another one of Sam, another one of Venki. And then over time, you see which tape recorders are adding the most value. And then you pay attention to that. So yeah, I would say favorite podcasts. I mean, you could probably link my playlist. Uh, that's free for people to just check out. Yeah. That's my free, best free stuff. But I would say uh, my favorite podcast out of all of them is probably Seth Godin's Akimbo. Mm -hmm. So Seth Godin's podcast, especially the early episodes, the first couple of ones are amazing. Seth Godin has an early show. For those who don't know Seth, uh, you're crazy. He has like a top 10 blog in the world. If you type the word Seth, S-E-T-H on Google, uh, his blog is the first result. It's crazy. Like he literally owns the name. He is a, he's someone I very much respect and I love his insights as well. Well, I mean, what a marketer, right? Like and all his insights were incredible. And for those who haven't know about Seth, definitely check it out. As Brendan has mentioned, there are going to be a ton of knowledge that you're going to gain just by watching some of his uh, YouTube videos whenever you get a chance. So it's going to be incredible and you're going to love it for sure. Thanks for sharing that again, Brendan. And 
what are the podcasts apart from like masad gordon like some of the th- some of the podcasts that i definitely tune into especially just uh, someone who is more cu- curious about startups and entrepreneurs is how i build this and hindi indie hackers and why combinator so are there any specific startups specifically for startups that you tune into yeah i, I would say more the early episodes once again but uh, masters of scale by reed yeah. hoffman mm-hmm. really good uh, but be be careful about the episodes you need to watch the right ones mm-hmm. so for example the one he did with evan williams from twitter was a mind blowing that was really good the one he did with Brian Chesky from Airbnb is really good so you just got to pick i would recommend the earlier season not the late ones the the one where reed is actually doing the interviews and the one he did with scott harrison of course was really good got wow yeah masters of scale is one other great podcast by uh, reed hoffman uh, the co-founder of linkedin so definitely check that out uh, audience as well so and you created a youtube playlist of all the inspiring talks right like when did you get that idea of like hey like is that something that you often go to and like just listen to it is that something that is what you tend to do every time uh, brendan yeah i think what i realized benki is a lot of people were asking me for my favorite stuff and i wasn't keep a track of all of my best cuz i've listened to thousands of podcasts now and my youtube playlist only has 50 or 60 videos on it. it's really my like the best of the best is on that thing and i said wait a second what if everyone did this what if everyone had a playlist and i could just tap into everyone's list it would be so much easier to accumulate knowledge because if you're just following one podcast some of the episodes aren't really good if you just follow one show Yes. but if you follow if you know the best episodes from each podcast that would be crazy so mm-hmm. that's why i started that and a lot of my friends do playlists for me and i i don't waste any time i just start listening to them i'm just like wow this is incredible <laughs> that's amazing brendan what a great insight just to create playlists of the best podcasts in fact like we don't have that visibility sometimes and we need to check out each and every episode to kind of like resonate with that story and uh, my next question to you is did you have any mentors or advisors while in college or especially even now that you often seek help or advice from oh absolutely I've hundreds hundreds in many different ways mm-hmm. and coaches but i recommend for people who are getting started is just make the people who are in podcast your mentors like just use mentors that you don't have access to listen to what Seth Godin would do listen to what Scott would do and then over time as you get better you'll start to get access to more interesting people like i'm so blessed i never would have met sam who's the person who introduced us if i never started master talk cuz if i never started master talk i never would have emailed him about being on this podcast about master talk right mm-hmm. so so it's just it's been fascinating to me that i get to meet people like him who are big mentors of mine and that i also mentor but i think what people need to understand is mentoring is not a one way relationship yes. it's not hey venki can you be my mentor no it's saying i have value to add for you and you have a lot of value that i don't know how about we mentor each other that's what's always been big for me and i do the same thing i don't just mentor people it's more about what value can you bring me what value can i bring you and let's help each other out and me and sam have that type of relationship yeah i mean it, it's just that the mindset isn't it uh, brendan a lot of times we just think about the one way right so it's it's always just the, that mindset of not just seeking help but also just sharing what we know is is going to be like super critical and uh, thanks for sharing that advice 
And what what are the best advice that you got from your mentors uh, recently are like, you no know, while in college that really helped you? Yeah, absolutely. I would, there's so much. I mean, you could spend three hours, 30 hours talking about all of it. But if I were to give you my favorite quote was, was from Scott and he said in an interview that I'll never forget. He said, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And I just went, wow, that was really powerful. And that's what I try to do with my life and my work. Wow. What a way uh, to, to end this podcast, Brendan. Thank you so much for again, like just sharing great insights and as as listeners, as you watch or listen to this podcast or episode, definitely check out all the resources that I'm going to add uh, from whether it is Brendan's YouTube playlist or just reach out to him on LinkedIn to be able to like just ask for any advice or help as he just rightly mentioned. There is always something that you can also learn from each other and that's how you learn and grow. And what a way to end this podcast by that such a great quote, uh, Brendan, like, do you have any final thoughts or advice that, that you wanted to share uh, to our audience? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think the, the final piece of advice is, is to reflect rather than to absorb. It's to ask questions rather than give answers. And here's a question I'd love for all of you to think about from Peter Thiel. The question is, what is the truth that you believe in that most people disagree with you on most people know the question very few people try to answer it and i hope if there's anything you got out of this discussion is that you try to find your own answers hmm. rather than seek them out wow thank you so much brendan for uh, coming onto the show and uh, just walking us through your story and inspiring all of us with wonderful things that you do every single day to create that impact to the people all around you. So thank you so much again. Thank you.